what do they believe in? Are their souls divine or are they guided by greed and power? What's their motivations in your darkest hour? Do you trust their words and guidance? How do they treat your sick and poor? Those you need to serve the most. Do they misuse their control for their own rewards? Do they keep their word to you? Speak with dignity and truth. Are they righteous in a time of crisis? Do you feel protected by them? Take me to your leaders. Take me to your leaders, oh. They're not 
Good morning, heart and soul. And even though Kev Choice is not with us here physically, I just am thanking him for his spirit with that song, Take Us to the Leaders. I just want to give reverence um, to the energetic that surrounds us all. The one who woke us up this morning, the one who goes by many names. And I also want to bring in our ancestors. I want to acknowledge the land in which we stand on, land of the lonely people, the initial stewards of this land, the ones who own this land before the occupation and genocide of white supremacy. I also want to acknowledge the historical economic exploitation of the enslaved people, because I want to thank them for building this nation because they inspire us. They inspire us to remember what is my responsibility, what is mine to be and do. But most of all, I just want to say thank you to so those who woke up this morning, those who made it happen. Because I'm speaking a word through all of us this morning. And you know, I just got to give mad love to our founder, the Reverend Dr. Andriette Earl. A powerful and engaging black woman. She is my mentor, my teacher, and my matriarch. I'm, I'm initially from Virginia, and so you know what I mean when I talk about the matriarchs of the family, right? So I've grown underneath uh, matriarchs, and I thought I would lose those matriarchs by traveling 3,000 miles away only to be landed with another powerful man matriarch. So I just am really grateful for that, for that guidance. And I'm just so honored to be with my family today. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you say you miss something, you realize when you come back into a space and then you realize how much you miss it. Um, and so I just want to be, I just want to give gratitude for those who just hailed the watch until it was finally time for us to come back in. So I just, just want to say thank you. So my hermeneutic, and what I mean by hermeneutic, how I'm going to give the talk today. Uh, comes from a place of just infill gratitude because giving talks is a way of recovering my voice. So I'm just thankful for the sacred space that Heart and Soul um, has created today. My talk is very influenced by black thought, black lived experiences, black lived theology. So you're going to see remnants of uh, Reverend Dr. Jeremiah Wright um, you're going to see remnants of, of Reverend um, Dr. Martin Luther King, um, extraordinary intellectual Dr. Brittany Cooper, um, and um, our sister who wrote the book Beyond the Wilderness, um, who really is stressing how it is that we can create a world that's for everyone by looking at how to revalue um, folks. And of course, I want to expand the work of our founder, um, Ernest Holmes, um, who talks about building a consciousness of collective power. Yes. Um, 
So what are we going to talk about today? Because I'm really excited about it. <laughs> Buckle your safety belt. Because based on philosophy, we know laws are merely expressions of our thoughts and our beliefs. And so if it's anything that COVID-19 has taught us, that there is a disease that's running rampant in which we have not found an antidote yet. And that disease is racism. And faith communities are called upon more than ever to eradicate that disease, to eradicate the diseases around economic and racial violence. So that's what my talk is going to be around today. And so I'm going to start off with sharing a story. I won't be exegeting a text other than my sacred story of a lived experience. We're going to start off there. And then next we're going to talk about the premise of how we understand racism in our lived experiences, to really begin to open our eyes about what we mean, um, how it runs our life, or how, it allow, how we try to allow it to run our life, by looking at the word empowerment and power. There's a distinct difference between that that I want to talk about today. And then we're going to go to the work of revaluing, making the invisible visible hearing the voices beyond the pale so that we can imagine something new. And then we're going to call, and then we're going to close it by a call to action because if you know me, I'm a seminary of the street minister. And I love to see a church outside on the street. But before I begin, I will ask you to join me in centering myself. So just, you know, take a collective breath with me. This is a ritual that I, I perform every time when I'm um, doing talks and sermons. And it's actually a quote from the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King. And it goes like this. Use me, God. Show me how to take who I am, what I can do and use it for a service greater than myself. Amen. So what's at stake for you? So I want to start off by a poem that I was inspired from a class that was held by one of our uh, members and board members, actually, uh, Damali Robertson. The poem is entitled, What is at Stake for You? Why do I do this work? I am the daughter, the sister, the auntie, the cousin, the elder, the partner, I am a black woman. Why do I do this work? I am those who created the mutiny ships calling to, for us to give us free. I am the double entendre songs who filled hearts with joy despite the bodies locked down in chains. I am the feet of Harriet Tubman. I am the voice of my sister who reminds me that your silence will not protect you. Why do I do this work? 
I'm the daughter of low-wage workers. I am Breonna Taylor. I am Sandra Blaine. I am George Floyd. I am Moms for Housing. I am the collective invested in the full emancipation of my black queer, queer skin. You see, I am the revolution that shall be televised. I am the vision of my people who affirms that another world is possible. I am love. So what's at stake for me? You see, poetry reading is a way of setting the tone in sacred spaces. It is a transformative way to look, to listen, to notice to what's happening to God's people. And in the looking, in the listening, in the noticing, we are forever changed. Because the fact of the matter is, is that either we can allow the conditions to create an immoral stance of difference, the difference, the proximity of difference, or it can actually reveal our common humanity for which we can invest in our greatest asset. All of our people. So, what's at stake for you? Because this is an interactive prayer, I mean, today. I call my, my sermons prayer. This is to, the question to ask you, what is at stake for you? And to start asking those questions in your, in your daily life. Like, why are you here? Why do you do the work that you do? Here at Heart and Soul, we believe, as Martin Luther King says, in a real sense that all life is interrelated. That I can never be what I ought to be until you are what you ought to be. And that you can never be what you ought to be until what I am ought to be. You see, there are false beliefs in the world running dangerously rampant. That one's group gain must be another group's loss. And with this belief, it sets our communities up for competition. Right? The theater stance of drama, of us versus them. The scarcity is tragically manufactured, but the competition over these resources are real. People are forced to fight over basic necessities of food and clothing and shelter. And that we are pushed to believe the worst around, against the other. And although black Americans are typically cast as disproportionately impacted of racism, and indeed we are targets of America's history, the fact is, is that racism impacts everyone. Sit there with, sit that for, for a moment, sit there. See, there is a theology of profit over people, which invokes wicked ills of separation. It is physically, emotionally, financially, and spiritually makes us sick. Racism has the ability to blind us, to make bad decisions, bad policy decisions. It makes for a more harsher society. I don't need to tell you, just walk outside a more punitive one, 
It will cloud the ability to see our common connection, to see love. <sighs> Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King tried to tell us, as he saw the connections of poverty, militarization, and racial violence. He saw that these false scarcities, scarcity beliefs would set us up for a hierarchy of human value and place the country in a financial crisis hurting everyone. See, so he saw this position were creating the conditions of poverty and fear-mongering and violence. And it's interesting to note that he came to the conclusion by listening to the stories of those most impacted, black men. So in his 1967 speech entitled Beyond Vietnam, he would warn us that a nation that continues year after year, I need you to hear me, that would spend more money on military defense than on programs of social uplift is approaching spiritual death. And King wrestled with this controversy concept for two years before he made it public. Let's be clear, he knew the consequences of what telling the truth was. The conditions, the systems that make police killings possible, he tried to tell us, were the same systems that make the exploitation of workers possible that they are the same conditions that have erased or abused the efforts of, of black folks, brown folks, people of color mobilizing for freedom. So what are we to do? What are we to do? How is power a racism? intricately involved and woven into our lives. Here we go, my glasses. So as we talk about unity and coming together in this world, it's important to understand the dynamics and nuances around racism. Earlier I spoke about the ways in which we can understand that by looking at the, the words around power and empowerment. Empowerment looks like understanding our worth. It's about our humanity and what we deserve. In Dr. Brittany's, Brittany's book, Eloquent Rage, she suggests that we need to be clear on how we use the word empowerment because she believes a lot of times what we're really talking about is using the word power. She states that empowerment is used a lot of times of narratives 
which places the responsibility for combating systems on individuals. Essentially, a narrative proposes that those who are down and out, the ones we see living in our cars, the ones who are working full-time and yet still can't afford rent, the ones who don't have health care and are in debt as a result of that, those down and out people. And the narrative in which the world is suggesting is that they just don't have enough hustle in them. They don't have enough drive, enough vision, or enough endurance. The word empowerment is used on certain groups because it assigns to it a racist ideology that wants to allude to cultures and behaviors. Certain groups that have been known not having the wherewithal or drive to go after the things that, we, that are really important to us. And what happens is that it distorts the perception of what is the individual's responsibility to do and then what is the collective responsibilities to do. Okay, did you catch that? So there's an individual responsibility and then there's a collective responsibility. And what happens if we're not understanding that, that what it does is that it lets systems and governments off the hook, right? Then how do we transcend that lie? What's the story that we must replace it with? And how can we do a better job at transforming our minds so that something else can happen? We must do the work of the theologian Dolores Williams, who calls us to do the work of revaluing. That it has to do with rendering what is visible or what is invisible so that we can make it invisible, so that we can make it visible. And then naming and assigning value to what is rendered. It's the process of assessing our beliefs and how we act it out. Because as someone has been quoted saying, what is, what is any use to the eyes if the mind is blind? You see, the fact of the matter is we can't tout Black Lives Matter and then propose a budget that gives you less than 2% for culture and arts programs, parks and recs, workforce development programs, and 45% to policing. We can't be up in here walking around talking about housing as a human right when there we are absent of any real promise of change or policies. As Senator Lewis said, we've got to get into some good trouble. We've got to get into some good trouble that requires 
that we have a critical analysis in our sermons, in our classes around racism and the interlocking oppressions that prevent us from getting to the world in which we want to live in. And part of the conscious, of a conscious that that is out there that I want to make sure that you are mindful of is the work of performance. It's known as performance allyship. See, it is the use of moral talk for self-promotion with the intention to deceive or lie. It's a type of exploitation. It's just showing up, just saying what you're doing, but you really ain't got nothing behind you to back it up. All right? Uh, people call this also virtual signaling. It's what Evelyn Brooks call a respectability politics. And it's allowing these concepts to interfere with our mandate to healing our communities for fear of losing relationships with local politicians because we're friends with them. We go to church with them. Our kids go to school together. These concepts target black anger as a disease instead of the symptom. See, it's a means of, it's what Rev calls the okie doke. The okie-doke also is getting in when it's safe for us. Instead of bridging that, those bridges that was given to the promised land. It's using the backs of those marginalized for profit while at the same time calling them a problem. That's called performance allyship. And our job is to call that in and to transform it. So this is our call to action. Because we got to be very careful with our minds because it's precious. It's valuable. And it has a job to do. And what we can do is that when we look, when we, when we are looking at dominant media, to make sure you keep your eyes on the prize. It is our job to affirm the moral imperative of public policy that our budgets, our policies should reflect the values of what we believe in. Because know and believe there are oppressors they're accomplices among the oppressed that will try to tell you something different. And it's about getting out of our box, right? It's about talking with black-led coalitions who are on the ground. And I know it sounds simple, right? But it's the same, same thing that happens with them there's a concept that distorts our eyes about seeing their work because they're usually coined as being too loud, <laughs> too radical, not appropriate. 
It's about sending the stories of those who are most impacted. I didn't write that poem as an entertainment. I wrote it because I wanted to share my story as a means of transforming our lives. It's about getting into the business of redistributing power. I am part of a group that I hold um, co-lead once a month called Economic Justice for Black Oakland. I have an intention of making sure that stories are shared. So I have policymakers in there. I have council members in there. I have union people. I have faith leaders in there. My faith people are very important because we hold the high watch of a moral imperative for our communities. Right. And we have discussions. We talk to each other. And then we make recommendations. We do the work. And I want to invite you to find you a group. Find your group and get into it. So I want to close by just thanking this community because it's an intentional community. Or else I wouldn't be here, I'm telling you the truth. <laughs> I mean, I love the songs. But I, I, I have a powerful black woman as my leader for a reason, right? Because she gives me the yes of what is mine to do. So be careful about who you following around, all right? But I, I go back to say that this is an intentional community that finds its own meaning through its own lived experiences. A community that has a great understanding of the diseases around separation and attempts to counter them through changing other mind. And it's our job to share it. See, the centered experiences of those that I've talked about today can be the North Star for something new, for affirming that another world is possible. Trust me with that. And in the end, there's a call to action that we need to embody a better understanding of what's at stake so that we can imagine what is possible. Because it's vital that we have a vision of a world we know is possible. And this is a choice to commit to a revolutionary moment if we are willing. And if we are willing, we can have a world in which there is no community, no worker, or no family that is left behind. Amen. As 
universal love, y'all. It's universal love, y'all. I spread universal love all around the world. This one for my people near and far. Hit you with the sound that'll touch your heart. Blessings like a message that was sent from God. I spread universal love all around the town. Some claim they are the king, but I wear the crown. Shining like the biggest and the brightest star. Blessings like a message that was sent from God. Universal love, what you give shall return. Every day's a lesson we live and we learn. I take a look around, they got me so concerned. Seems like these are the times a savior shall return. So I look in the mirror, see a God's reflection Knowing the change I want to see begins in my perception Look every person in the eye, allow a real connection Fear no man, I know the angels over me protecting And no weapon formed against me shall ever prosper Knowing even through the struggles that just makes me stronger My sacrifices are the prayers a humble servant offers at the altar And these bars as hard as the rock of Gibraltar So I'll never falter Got these haters puzzled like a crossword When I hit them with them spiritual laws Deepak Chopra Meditations, mantras, affirmations, honor Uplift up most high Oakland to Wakanda I spread universal love all around the world This one for my people near and far Hit you with the sound that'll touch your heart Blessings like a message that was sent from God I spread universal love all around the town Some claim they are the king, but I wear the crown Shining like the biggest and the brightest star Blessings like a message that was sent from God Just master, read these passages like I'm a pastor Acrobatic for the people, I bend over backwards Trying to keep us moving forward, never going backward Harriet Tubman in a tunnel, holding up a lantern Trying to lead the way to deeper understanding Deepest canyons, taking chances, I just keep expanding The love that I feel, it goes beyond romantic It's looking out for my brothers like we always family It's lifting up my sisters like she was a queen Empowering these youth and telling they can be anything It's spreading synergies, energies through vicinity Seeking remedies, ending poverty Prayers to our enemies, Lord, have mercy, can I get a witness? Practicing forgiveness, clear intentions, positivity Speaking into existence Make that first million, feed it back into the community Making feel good, music for our healing, come on I spread universal love all around the world This one for my people near and far Hit you with the sound that'll touch your heart Blessings like a message that was sent from God I spread universal love all around the town Some claim they are the king, but I wear the crown Shining like the biggest and the brightest star Blessings like a message that was sent from God
you the first of love all around the world Love all around the world precious moment of right here, right now. Just giving and recognizing the source of all life. The one that woke me up this morning, that one that allowed the sun to rise and the moon to follow. The one who continually yearns and whispers in our ears. Yes. And it is such a pleasure. It is such an honor. It is such a revelation to know that I am not separated by this. That the source who breathes life in me who speaks life in me, regardless of the conditions. The conditions that I've talked about today. And what I know and give thanks for is that another world is possible. And that another world is possible based on what has come before us, our ancestors, who are the guiding stars who are the teachers, the sacred texts that will lead us out of the wilderness of the status quo. A world in which everyone can feel safe. A world which everyone has a home to stay in. Where bellies are full. Where there is no false scarcity, there is no competition, that abundance is everywhere that there is life. And for that, I give thanks. I give thanks for the message today. I give thanks for those who made it happen today, the ones who just cut on the light. I give thanks for Octopi today so that we can spread the word that there is only one life and that life is God. And it's for ours to be and do to spread it. So there's nothing else for me to say. Only to affirm that love is in action. And that we say yes. So I send this out. Knowing that the word has been spoken. And that it is true. And that it is done. 
And if any of this agrees with you, please help me close it by saying, Ashe, Amen, and so it is. When you trust and open your heart, life seems to take a brand new start. When you trust, when you believe, get ready for the good things you will receive. Let the power in you tell you just what to do. And when 